Welcome to the Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Reporter, the podcast that delves into the minds and lives of broadcast news reporters and anchors, delivering a behind-the-scenes look at their careers, methods, best practices, and some personal stories from the trenches of journalism. Today, we have a really cool guest. This is Tatum Gwynn, a former co-worker of mine uh, from Odessa, Texas, my first market. And uh, Tatum has an interesting story in the sense that she left the world of news and then recently got right back into it. So anyway, we'll dive into that and a lot more. But uh, first off, Tatum, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Bo. This is fun. You're very welcome. (laughs) Yes, it's fun. And I'm definitely looking forward to our conversation um, and having a chance to to catch up with you and uh, fill everybody in on what you've been up to and, and what you're looking forward to. So um, first off, let, let's, you know, uh, for people who don't know your background, um, let's talk about, you know, how you first got into news in brief, give us a brief overview of how you first got into news. Sure. So news is something that I kind of knew I always wanted to do, but I never knew how to do it, uh, or how to get in. How to, it's usually like, you know, if you know somebody, they can you know, give you uh, make a connection for you. And that, that was not my case. So, um, I had recently just moved home. I was going to college a junior and I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to try this news thing. And so I went up to, there's my very first station, yours too, in Odessa, Texas, CBS seven inside of a mall. And I went in there, it was right across the street from where I was going to school and, um, asked to see the news director for, asked for an internship. He came out and he said, Hey, sorry, can't meet with you. Um, can you come back tomorrow? same time said sure yeah no problem left came back the next day he came back out and said the same thing again and it was kind of this back and forth for about two weeks until he finally let me back into the newsroom I said I wanted an internship and he he did that gave me an internship and then I never left that was my home for a good seven and a half years worked my way up from intern to morning anchor did everything in between Yes. Yes. Um, so I think I, when, when I was there, were you still an intern or maybe you I was an intern. Yes. An and intern I, have, I okay. have to say, I got to brag on you a little bit, Bo. Bo is a legend and he, we would talk about, is that a Bo Berman story or is that a, you know, some, something else, you know, we had the standard <laughs> and Bo Berman was the standard. Uh, so you were, I looked up to, we all looked up to you. You were, you're fun to work with. So, oh, Thank you. I was intern and then like brand new reporter around the time. I'm trying to remember back. I think I was reporting by that point when you left. Yeah. So how old were you when you got that internship? 20. 20. Okay. So it it really was persistence in a way, right? And putting yourself out there and taking a big chance. Yes. And it was so unlike me at that point. I told my parents and they thought, why is she? Because I'm not the kind of person, or I guess at that time in my life, I, I wouldn't, if someone told me no, I'd be like, oh, okay. And, but there was just something I had to, I had to be there. I had to see what it was. And I mean, it was love at first sight. The second that I walked in to the newsroom itself and then got to watch a show from the control room. And it just, I knew that I knew then that this is it. This is it mm. for me. And just persistence. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would, I wasn't going to leave until I got to see something. And so yeah. it worked out. Yeah. So if you, if you hadn't, let's just say that like 
you know, that third day or whatever that you went in and like kind of demanded to, to meet with the news director, you know, in a polite way, but, you know, wouldn't take no for an answer. But let's just say you did take no for an answer because you were kind of, more, you know, more shy back then. I mean, would you, how, how do you think your life would have ended up differently? I mean, do you think that you eventually would have just gotten an internship somewhere else? Or do you think that, no, you, you, I mean, I guess it's hard to say, but I, guess I don't know. I don't, you know, I haven't thought much about that. If, if, you know, what if, and I think we spend a lot of time asking that question in news, you know, what if, um, I don't know what I would have, would have done. I think that it was, it was meant to be, I guess I would have probably tried to go try the other stations. There's two other you know, local stations here. Maybe I would have done that. I don't know. I mean, I was, I was dead set on CBS seven. That was it for me. Sure. Um, and, and why, why did you go to CBS seven first versus the other stations are, um, news West nine it's called. And then, uh, I don't know what they're calling the other one. Now they always switch the name of it. At one point mm-hmm. it was called big two. At one point they just called it KMID. At one point they called it something else. I don't know. Local, but local two. I think they're back to big two. I'm not sure. Two. I they mean, they'll it. always, they'll always be known as big two just historically. But yeah, yeah, they've tried several different names. They always try. They always switch it. Um, but what made you go to CBS Seven versus the other two? So I, growing up here in, in West Texas, and I'm born and raised here. Seven was always the station that I watched, and this is going to sound super, uh, not very deep. But they had a, the main anchor there. Her name was Tatum. My name's Tatum. And I thought I think that would be neat to work with her. Always kind of had kind of looked up to her, and then of course um, her her co-anchor Jay Hendricks. And so I just thought, uh, how neat would it be to work with them? And I thought they were great. And yeah, and it just, you know, luckily, I, I guess as coincidence would have it, they happened to be the number one station in the market. So why not? Yeah, yeah. And that was interesting. Uh, well, first of all, Jay and Tatum are um, amazing human beings. So you made the right choice. I, I really loved working with them and they were just so incredibly welcoming to me as a uh, 22-year-old uh, basically two weeks out of college who, you know, drove down to Texas from uh, the Northeast and, you know, people in Texas called me a Yankee many times. Um, but yeah, Jay and Tatum were just so welcoming that uh, I'll, I'll always appreciate their friendship and uh, their mentoring that they did for me, me in, too. in Odessa. But um, yeah, it's funny how CBS 7 had become the number one station at that point, because really it hadn't been. I think the number one had been News West 9, um, what are the, I forget what the, oh, KWES were the call letters yes. for News West 9. And they had been number one. And then there was sort of like this coup that happened in a way where like Jose Gaona was a top producer there. And then he uh, got hired over at CBS 7, which, you know, was really kind of a dog. Like it wasn't the top station, at least. Maybe it was number two, but out of three. But uh, Jose came over. And then he basically hired away Jay Hendricks from News West 9 after many years. I mean, 20 or 30 years of being at News West 9 as a dominant number one station. Mm-hmm. And then all these chips kind of fell into place. And, and suddenly within like, I, I was kind of there as it happened, you know, mm-hmm. CBS 7 really be, became the leader. Um, and it, it was hard to do. But like when I first started there, you know, we would arrive second to the scene, you know, and News West 9 would always be there first. And it was kind of this like, demoralizing thing where you're like darn it like how are they doing this they're always there first and but then like by the time I left we were always there first we had the better ratings you know people seem to like us better so it was just this amazing transformation but 
it's funny how that can happen in a market. And really, I don't think it happens that often in markets across the country. A lot of these, these uh, shifts, you know, don't happen that often. No. But, and I'm not sure what the landscape is now, but I, I do know that you, uh, you're now switching sides. You're, uh, so, so actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, let's step back a minute. So you, you, be, you were an intern, and then you became a reporter slash anchor at CBS7. And how many years did you do that? I did, gosh, so I was a bureau reporter when I first got my, I just graduated college. They gave me a full-time job and they sent, shipped me off to this tiny little town called Big Spring. It's about an hour east of Odessa. And that was my, my beat for two years. And then um, just while being at seven, I kept getting, you know, opportunity after opportunity to, to move up. I was our, you know, just main day side and then shifted to night side and weekend anchor. You, know, you name the shift. I did it. You named the show. I was in it. Um, and then four, about four years in they um, our morning anchor who had been there for about 10 years. She's also kind of a West Texas legend. If, if you will. And, um, she left and they offered me that position and I jumped at it and was our morning anchor for about two years. And it was just, it was the best. How old were you? How old were you then? I was numbers are hard, Bo. Um, 26, I think. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. So you were the main morning anchor of a TV station at age 26. Very impressive. When what, what the morning anchor, I really liked her. Um, very, you're right. She was very, very talented, you know, came from actually had come back to West Texas from uh -huh. the market, I think in Florida and Sacramento, but uh, Krista Escamilla, what, what is she up to now? Does she get out of news or? Yeah. Krista got out of news. She's playing mom doing that thing. Um, she has four beautiful children and is just enjoying all of her time with them and her husband owns a local business and so she helps out with that still does some commercials so we still see her on tv every now and then and she's always out and about in the community but she's yeah doing yeah she, she was awesome life. great journalist great person yes. loved working with her she was really smart really smart journalists which are my favorite um, and there's not as many of those. I mean, uh, yeah, there just aren't as, as there used to be, but, um, anyway, so, uh, yeah. So, okay. So you were 26, you're anchoring the morning show for two years and then those two years went by and then what happened? I, so our, in between all of this, um, when I first started at seven, we were locally owned and, um, about halfway through we got sold to a corporate company. And big changes, especially going from locally owned to being owned by um, a big corporate company, just kind of culture shift and just the way we do things. And so there was a lot of change with our management, which can sometimes trickle down into the newsroom. And so um, the other Tatum, she um, got out of news and gave me a call. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And um you know, gave me an opportunity at our university here to come work for them as a communications manager. And, you know, at first I thought, you know, no, why would I ever get out of news? I mean, this is, this is my passion. I love it. Why would I leave? Um, but there's just something, you know, something telling me that you should probably go. And um, I'm very glad I did that. I got out, decided to take a break and to kind of see what life was like outside of news. And um, 
it was good. It was such a good year. Worked with, met with, met a ton of really great people at the university. It's one of the branches of University of Texas. And so that was fun. I got to see the other side of news, you know, working with reporters and helping them through their news process and getting their stories set up for them. And yeah, just being the, the main communications person. Awesome. I mean, you know, honestly, I think that takes a lot of courage to do what you did because a lot of people just get stuck in their routine or they have a lot of fear like, oh man, if I leave, you know, I'll never be able to come back or something like that. And I mean, I say that, you know, as someone who's literally doing that right now, who left uh, my station in in May uh, after four years there and after a total of 11 years in the business, um, and I have plans to come back, uh, most likely, eventually, probably as soon as next year. But I definitely wanted to take a one-year hiatus. But I can tell you, it scared the hell out of me because I just, yeah, I've been doing this for so long. It's, 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 it feels like it's me. And, and even like four years ago, I don't think I could have done this. I don't think I could have left news. My ego was a little too wrapped up in it. I felt like, you know, Bo Berman was a news reporter. It, it was like, that's who I was. Um, mm-hmm. And as I got older, I kind of realized, you know, there's more to life. And it, it doesn't mean I, I, I want to get out of news. But I used to almost judge people who got out. I thought like, oh, Dang. look, they, they can't they take can't do it. They, they can't do it. They can't hold up to the pressure like I can. I'm built for this. You know, I just had this like very competitive attitude. And uh, as I've gotten older, I think I've mellowed out a little bit and, and realized that that's probably not the best attitude to take. Um, I mean, it helps. It helped me sometimes because it really did help me like, put on a game face and, and be competitive and, and get the story that I needed to get. But um, yeah, I mean, but I, as I got older, I just realized, look, I mean, you know, there really is a thing such as like work life balance. And, um, you know, sometimes you need yeah. to uh, make a decision that's good for your life, you know, that might not be the optimal thing for your career. And here's the thing. I mean, if you're good enough and, you know, I think as you and I, well, you're definitely a testament to this because you're getting right back into the business. But if you're good enough, I mean, there will always be a place for you. There will always be a place for you. That is so true. That is so true. And I was, I have to say, I was so scared. And I had some people in the business, you know, managers for that company saying, this is a mistake. Don't do it. If you get out, that's it. Or... (laughs) If you get out, good luck trying to get a job and, you know, at a station that's worth being at. And I just thought to myself, well, why not? And watch me. You know, if I decide that I want to get back in, it's, it's going to be for me. And you know, who's to say, who's to say that you can't get the job that you want? And you can. And it's, that's a, I don't want to say it's a lie because, you know, but it's definitely possible. And people, and I think, you know, being in news, we, we get so wrapped up and there's, there's kind of like these rules that you play by, like, okay, I'm going to be, you stay at one place for just one contract and you jump, you make a jump, which, you know, it takes three jumps to get to the market that you would, you would want to be. Or, you know, if you get out, you can't get back in or uh, you, you name it, they've, said that rule before and you know I just thought I got to the point to where you know I was eating breathing sleeping nothing but news it was not healthy I didn't realize that at the time I thought you know it's just doing my job and for the first time you know in my professional career I got to take a step back and look at it from a different perspective and I'm so glad I did I I think it's made me a better journalist Um, I got to you know spend time with my family figure out things that I like not me as 
a you know reporter or as an anchor. Um, I got to do something just for me, and I'm I haven't done that. I highly encourage it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it sounds like that was definitely the right decision for you, and and so far this so. has been the right decision for me, and it, you know. It doesn't mean that it's easy and, and you definitely, I mean, I know I miss the news and, mm-hmm. and I think it would actually be harder if, if this was like, like if I didn't have a plan to get back into it, but, um, you know, cause then I'd be kind of wondering like, oh man, am I ever going to do it again? Or am I wasting my talent? But I do have this kind of just a, you know, a short, short horizon here, you know, a short timeline. So, um, it, I think that makes me feel better that I know that I'm going to plan to get back into it. But, um, yeah, definitely. It's definitely a leap of faith. It's like, um, have you ever seen the India, any of the Indiana Jones movies? Yes. Yes. I'm thinking of the scene where the guy has to walk out or Indiana Jones has to walk out on this bridge that's invisible, you know? And that's exactly, yeah, that's how it feels. Representation yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. He has to just believe that it's there and it's, it's very scary, but uh, that scene always stuck with me because it kind of reminds me of a lot of things in life where, you sort of have to just, uh, you know, take a step of faith, not not even Mm -hmm. a leap of faith, but anyway. Okay, cool. So you, uh, you were out of it then for just, was it just one year, 12 months? Yeah, about, well, I'll say yes. Yes. Right at about a year. Okay. And then, uh, so you were at the university of Texas Permian basin in in Odessa there, uh, basically across the street from your old station. (laughs) Right across the street. (laughs) Yeah. So you weren't far and, um, And then, so how did you, you're now back in news. So how did that come about? Yes. My first week back, it feels, feels really good. Um, So I had, I really didn't have any plan to get back in per se. I mean, I always kept the option there because I just, I loved it and I missed it so much. And, you know, everyone in my family will tell you like she was in mourning for last year. Um, But I, saw the news director over um, at K-West at an event and I went up and you said hi to her. Her name's Melissa Hendricks Beach. And the next day she called me and said, had you ever thought about getting back in? And kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I said, oh, you know, maybe if it was the right opportunity. And she asked, well, what's the right opportunity for you? And kind of like you're like well how much are you gonna pay me (laughs) there's that a but then kind of like the you know when I found courage to you know persistence when I kept going up to seven to try to get a job um I just straight out said and they had no need for this or no opening for this position but I just said make me your main anchor and I just I thought you know I have nothing to lose there's nothing riding on this and she said okay well let's talk about it and so we went from there and um, we talked off and on for about a month and um, they gave me a really good deal as far as pay, especially in, in this size of a market. Uh, we're about in the 150s, I want to say. And yeah. I, again, took another leap of faith and yeah, it started in September. I've been working a lot behind the scenes and you know went on air this month and I'm back and I'm so, it was, it was the best decision. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I said yes. Yeah. Awesome. Good for you. You, you know, good, good negotiating tactic there because if, you know, in negotiations, the person who's willing to walk away always has the upper hand and, so and, true. and you were, you were like, well, I'm fine. I'm happy where I'm at. So it's going to take, it's going to have, it's going to have to be something really big if I'm going to, 
do this. And, and I like that you just flat out said that, of course, like politely, but um, that's awesome. So, so what is your role now? Exactly. Yeah. So I am the five and 10 o'clock anchor at channel nine. Um, it traditionally had been a co-anchor show, both of those shows and um, I'm doing it solo and yeah, it's fun. Do a night side schedule. We're doing some different things. We've reformatted our 10 o'clock news and yeah, it's exciting. And we're doing things a little bit different and, you know, getting back to the core of, you know, what makes a really good newscast and, um, you know, just getting back to the basics. You can't reinvent the wheel, just make it better. Yeah. It's so funny that, you know, for so many years, there was a really, really beloved popular Tatum on TV in West Texas as a 10 p.m. anchor. And then now there's another one. I mean, it's it's just such a, like, yes. I mean, not to harp too much on the name thing, but it's just like a funny, like the way the world works. It's just, it's just funny. Um, and what's even funnier is my first day at work, they interviewed a producer and her name was Tatum. <laughs> Oh my! I thought, oh my gosh! Of course, I'm going to work with another Tatum. Yeah, right. Very, very popular. Well, see now. See, I remember when when Tatum Gwynn, which is is you, my my guest today. When Tatum Gwynn was at CBS Seven as an intern, her nickname was T Two because Tatum Hubbard was the OG, the original Tatum, uh, who'd been there for years and and was like a former Miss Texas and beloved by everybody. So yes. Tim Gwynn was T2, but the funny thing is now you might become a T1, I think. I know. Well, and what's funny about it is, well, one, people have no idea what you know my nickname would be. I was T2 for about 10 years. And um, now our equipment, for whatever reason, all of it starts with a T, and then they have numbers after it. And there's a T2 kit. And so people will come in and say, who has T2? Where's T2? And just instinct, I'm like, well, I'm right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're talking about equipment. <laughs> so people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm looking at them like they're crazy. It's just funny nicknames. That's, yeah, that is funny. So, okay. Um, so what is, you said you're doing things differently and you're reformatting at News West 9. Just in brief, um, very brief. I mean, what's the biggest thing that you're doing different, so to speak? So we... We stand the entire newscast, which is for West Texas. That's it's different. I mean, you know, it's very news here is super traditional. You have one reporter, you you toss to them, and then you you know go through your news of the day. And in the ten, we we really kind of take you know time out of the equation as much as you can, which is a, a little different. And we really try to unpack things. We'll spend. You know, we're not afraid to do three or four minutes on, you know, one topic, but, you know, have setups and breakouts for it and go really in depth, almost kind of magazine style, almost, but still keeping with, you know, telling you, hey, here's everything that happened today. And then let's get you set up for the next day. And, um, you know, doing weather a little bit different, you know, asking a very specific question and um, have them answer that in about, you know, a minute, 30 seconds, depending on, you know, whatever it is. And then, yeah, just go from there. Cool. Do when we, yeah. So this vision, is this coming from your news director, this vision, like from the top down, yeah? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And, well, I mean, or is it coming from reporters and feedback of the staff? Fe both. Both, okay. Feedback from the staff. And then they did, um, 
some surveys out in the community and seeing, hey, what what do oh, you okay. want to see? What kind of content Ooh. is it? And then I um, love that. I love take that. A really close look at our yeah our demographics and yeah. you know get into that and how can we deliver that kind of product? Yeah, I think we sometimes get too disconnected from what the audience like actually wants, and I think sometimes we rely on like really old. It just feels like we rely on really old like focus group data and like old consultant information that's probably outdated. Um, mm -hmm. At least that's my opinion. But anyway, yeah, that's awesome. And where's your news director from? What's her background in brief? So she she's from West Texas. She she actually was um, Jay Hendricks, both of our old coworker. She was his co-anchor at Channel Nine about twenty years ago. Okay. So she so she too is you know from this area knows this market very well. Was you know one of the main anchors here. She got out of the business. For a few years had a family did that and then she she got back in and now she's our news director awesome i just thought of something you'd probably I, I'm, I'm actually still repping uh west texas up here in pennsylvania because i still have my 432 uh area code on my uh cell phone number so oh that's awesome <laughs> i'm still repping which is kind of ironic because i mean i'm from pittsburgh but right I, I i don't know i went to go get a blackberry which really dates me Back in uh, 2008, it was like my first job. I was like, I'm getting a smartphone. And I went to the Music City Mall and, and got this BlackBerry. And um, they were like, you have to change your number. And I was like, really? And they made me change my number, which I was pretty upset about. Um, but then I thought it was probably a good thing. Because at that point, I don't think we had work phones. And if we did, they were horrible. They were like these really, really old flip phones. Um, yes, break. so I was like, well, maybe this is good because I should have a local number, you know, so people actually take my call because back then people like pretty much only answered the phone if it was local. Otherwise they thought it was like a scammer or, you know, something random. So anyway, it worked out for the best, but, uh, now it's kind of funny cause I'm back in Pittsburgh and you know, everyone has this number, so I kind of don't want to change. Right, then, right. And I sort of like that. It's like interesting, you know, that it kind of represents my time in Texas. So whatever, but yeah, I'm still sitting here with a 432. I love that. It, it's actually not great because in Pittsburgh, our area code is 412. So oh. a lot of times people, I worry that they're going to think it was like a mistake, you know, and, and, and uh, but yeah, it's okay. I'm just paranoid. So, uh, all right, well, let's move on a little bit. So you're back in the news and, you know, there was just a very awful, disgusting, despicable, horrible, I mean, no words fully capture what it was but tragedy that that occurred in the Odessa Midland area like literally both towns which for people who don't know they're about 20 miles apart they're kind of almost like these twin cities but um in fact people say that you uh the old saying in back in the day was that you you raise hell in Odessa and you raise your kids in Midland but anyway the, the cities have grown a lot since then and, and they're pretty similar but um I digress. There was a horrible tragedy. And, and so there was that shooting where uh, somebody was like having trouble at work or being fired or something like that. This man in his 30s and he brought a gun in and then basically was driving on the highway and got stopped. What by a was it by a state trooper? Yes. Yeah. And, in and in he, Midland he, County. And he shot the trooper and then somehow he hijacked a, like a U.S. mail truck and basically just drove around just uh, total randomly firing, totally random, you know, firing this gun, I think an AR-15, um, at people who were like standing there, people who were driving by, like near a movie theater, is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just awful. So, I, I mean, there's not much to say about that. I mean, it happens all over the country, but, and, and I mean, I was devastated. I, I saw the picture of a, of a little girl, like who got hit with a bullet, who was like, I think less than a year old or less than two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did text a, a number of my friends just there to just see if they were okay, because a, a lot of people were injured, some were killed. But anyway, the, what I'm leading up to is what was it like for you as someone who had been in the news in Odessa Midland and is from there? You know, I mean, obviously, it's, it's awful to watch that happen. But to be kind of on the sidelines is, is what I'm getting at and not as a reporter or anchor. What was that like for you? That was hard. You know, it's well, just for it happening, something that terrible to happen in your hometown, it feels personal. And, you know, for a long time, and I took great pride in it, I still do. Uh, I want to be the one to tell people, well, A, what's going on, and B, that it's going to be okay. Here's all the information we have. And, and I think, you know, one of the important things that we do, especially in a time of breaking news where things are very fluid, we are just getting information probably around the same time that law enforcement are, especially for this particular situation. It was so hard. You know, I turned, my phone started ringing. I was, you know, some of my contacts that are still with DPS were calling me and texting me, people asking me what's going on. And there was nothing that I could do about it other than, well, let me try to find out for you and just, you know, kind of sit on the sidelines and turn on the TV and my old coworkers. And I still think of CBS 7 as, you know, my home. I spent more time there than anywhere else for you know about seven years and watching them and they had to evacuate and it's just like oh my gosh my home and then you know, I turn the channel to you know my new home my new channel and um there everyone's freaking out it's you know the poor weekend crew these kids have never had to do anything or see anything terrible and so that was it was hard I called my new general manager and said I have to be there you have to let me in I've got to do something. I, I couldn't, I could not sit. And so they, I, I went up to the station. I didn't, I just didn't even ask at that point. They were like, uh, uh, and I said, okay, well, I'll see you soon. So that night I was up at the station doing things behind the scenes, you know, writing scripts, making phone calls, doing what I could. Cause I, I just felt like I needed to do something. And especially in that kind of situation. I mean, it was just, it was horrific. You just more than 20 crime scenes between Midland and Odessa, that's never happened before in a mass shooting like that. It's never been mobile. Um, and you know, a lot of very, very young reporters, this is oftentimes this market's the first stop for somebody straight out of college. So how, how as a 22 year old do you process evil, just pure evil like that? And then how do I tell that story without just you know, falling apart? That's hard to do. And so um, it was hard to not be able to be the one to tell people, you know, on TV or on social media and whatever that looks like now. Um, But yeah, I got, you know, went in, rolled my sleeves up at the station and tried to do what I could as, you know, just sort of, you know, going on TV myself and doing it. But that was hard. That was a hard few days for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That must've been, um, in, in incredibly challenging. And, uh, I mean, good, good on you for, for doing what you did. I mean, that's, that's the sign of a, of a real, uh, 
someone with journalism in their blood who who calls up and says i i, I i'm coming in to help you know and, and you were and not even what's so it's just I, I mean halfway like almost crazy but my my contractor my first day of work wasn't until september 3rd so a tuesday and this happened august 31st so i was like just a few days shy of being able to go on tv if i if we needed to and this situation certainly warranted it um but yeah there was no stopping me like i i had to i had to be there it was just one of those things um i couldn't help it i just couldn't yeah yeah absolutely um i uh I had a similar situation. Um, actually, one year ago, this weekend uh, was the also senseless, uh, just absolutely, you know, just devastating uh, synagogue shooting that happened in, in Pittsburgh, yes. Pennsylvania. And um, I was off that day. I had worked till midnight the Friday night before it. And then I had a friend in town um, who is Jewish and who I grew up with. He lives in Chicago now. And so he had invited me to play some early morning soccer on a Saturday morning, which I normally don't do. And we had played soccer together in high school. And so it was kind of like a little mini reunion of sorts. Another friend of ours um, did it as well and um, or came out as well to play. And we were playing like, I mean, literally, you know, about a half mile from that synagogue. And so we're out there Saturday, 8 a.m. It's like raining a little bit, had a great game, worked up a sweat. Um, you know, played pickup soccer with these people. And then uh, we're driving home. I'm bringing my friend home whenever one of our, our anchor, our main anchor, uh, Mike Clark, gives me calls me or out of nowhere and says, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, it was really bizarre that he would call me and ask me that. And oh, I'm driving my friend over playing soccer. And he goes, oh, there's there's a report of somebody with a with a gun, uh, a handgun at, at, the, at one of the synagogues in Squirrel Hill, which is a neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Um, it's it's the predominantly Jewish neighborhood. And um and then he said it was the Tree of Life synagogue. And there's actually technically three like um congregations there, but it's it, Tree of Life is the best known one. And uh it was just really surreal be for many reasons, but many one of them being that my friend who I was with that day, who was in town from Chicago, had had his uh bar mitzvah at that synagogue and I had gone to wow. it exactly 20 years earlier when he turned 13 and we're both sitting there age 33. Um, and he had just turned, you know, 33 a month earlier. And so it was just kind of weird. And, and so, so basically I then got off the phone with my anchor who was just like seeing if I had heard anything, you know, from sources and that was it. And then he said, okay, I got to go. And, you know, he wasn't at work either. He was just at home. But I, I called my boss and said, hey, I, I'd like to come in and, and help with this. This, is, this is, sounds like a huge deal. And he said, all right, you know, get in here right away. So, you know, you got to be that person. Someone taught me that a long time ago. You, you want to be that person who volunteers mm -hmm. um, to come in. You don't want to be the person who they have to ask. And you definitely don't want to be the person who says, no, you know, I'm not coming in. Um, yeah. whenever it's something like this, you know, when it's something that big, I mean, if they're asking you to come in and, you know, cover a, a, a chess tournament, you know, it's like, I think then you can say no, because sometimes the station might be exploiting you and your time. But if, if it's something like this, that's going to change it's, I mean, it was historic. It was the worst attack on Jewish people in the history of the United States. And at that time we didn't know that, but still, I mean, you know, you have to drop everything as a journalist, whether yes. it's your family. I mean, you, you got it. You got to go in. So, 
Um, and, and really, if you're not excited, not excited to go in is probably the wrong word. But if your adrenaline's not pumping and you're not, prepared, you know, if you're not even because I mean, it's like you said, you had a desire to be the one to inform your own community. And I felt the exact same way that day. I mean, I was, you know, fighting back the tears and the emotion as I'm sure you were. But at the same time, you're like, it, it should be me. I mean, why, why should it be someone else? You know, I know this community and my people, you know, want help. They want to know what's going on. And, and so. Yes. And well, they, and in times like that, people, they want to know and they, they need to know the things that are going on because almost just like you said, history was made, although it's um, something awful and so dark, but it's important. And it's important that people don't forget what happened because innocent people, you know, in, you know, in my community, there was it just one of the, one of the victims, she, she was going car shopping with her parents and she lost her life just for going car shopping. And Ugh. that you, we can't forget that. And that's where we come in to tell that story, to let our community know that it wasn't just, you know, just as another victim. This person, you know, was a daughter, someone's niece, a sister. Uh, she was just doing one of those almost mundane things or an exciting thing with your family, going out car shopping. You know, as a teenager, that's like everything. And she lost her life doing that. And um, it's just, it's so important to, that's where we come in as a service to, to our community. You know, a lot of people, I think sometimes news gets a bad rap for what we do, or we could be seen as vultures. But, you know, in that instance, um, people were looking to us for information. And, you know, I always want to be that person to, to be able to tell the story and to be the one that, to tell everyone what's going on. It, hey, it's a scary day. It's a dark day for our community, but I'm here and I'm going to tell you what happened in the best yeah. way that I can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, very sad stuff, but, um, yeah. you know, journalists have to deal with it. So we'll switch gears, um, a little bit and, and get a little bit more a personal question for you. So, I mean, look, you know, you're a talented journalist, you know, you, you, you've won some awards, you, um, you know, were a main anchor in the morning at age 26. So it kind of leads me to the question of why didn't you, why did you not try to, move up to a bigger market because I, I know when I was in Odessa Midland, it was market 151, you know, which is pretty small. It's a great, great place and, and a great market, but it, it is small and, and the pay has limitations. And so why, why uh, do you, did you not, you know, have you not sort of pursued what a lot of people do, which is like trying to go to Dallas or San Antonio sure. or Austin or, or Pittsburgh or, or what have you? Sure. Well, I still, I have that ambition. Um, and the reason why I haven't was, you know, I was so invested and so 100% in at our first, my first station, CBS 7, that I was never given a reason not to leave. You know, I kept getting opportunity after opportunity and able to grow. You know, my whole family's from here. I was working at the station I grew up watching. So I never, you know, had a reason to leave until mm -hmm. I got out. And sure. I thought, you know... I'm good at this. I want to see where I can go with it. But if I do ever get back in, I wanted to, I wanted to work for a company that had some good stations and good markets. And, and if I get back in, I'm doing it for me this time. And I want to see where I can take myself. My talent can take me. And so that's kind of the plan now, you know, I, you signed a, 
a three, a three year deal, but with the, within the company, you know, you can always move around and stay for however long you think you should stay and get transferred or whatever. But, um, I do have that ambition now. I want to, you know, get my rep in here, do, um, do some good work for News West 9 and then, um, you know, see where it takes me. I, I would love to be able to see if I can make it in a bigger market. I think I'd be mad at myself if I didn't try. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and, and, uh, you know, I was, I was going to make a joke and say like, hopefully your news director is not listening to this, but, but then again, actually, hopefully she is because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, if you're saying you have the ambition to, to eventually maybe move on to a bigger market, it doesn't mean you're going to do it. I mean, it, it also honestly could just, if they, if you're, if they want to keep you, then they'll just pay you a little bit more, you know, and, and make sure. an offer. So there's really no shame in that. And I think sometimes people try to like keep things super secret and, and there's definitely a place for no. that. But, you know, you're, you're also just being very transparent and, and honest about your ambitions. And, you know, there's no telling what you'll do. I mean, I, I've learned that the last five to 10 years of my life that, you know, you think you're going to do one thing and then this curve comes in life and you end up in a totally different place. And it was not yes. what you expected, but, you know, hopefully it ends up for the best no matter what it is. But it, there's definitely curveballs. You can't, can't not, not everything goes according to plan, which is a cliche, Absolutely. but it is so, so true. And I think when you're younger, you, you think that everything's going to go the way that you plan it out. So. Or that something's permanent. Right. And right, I've learned right. nothing, nothing's permanent. And I think, it's, I think it's important to note that, you know, in my time, in this, in this market, you know, my only market, I haven't stayed because I couldn't get anywhere. You know, I've, I've had news directors in larger markets contact me ask me, Hey, or would you be interested? And, um, and for whatever reason, you know, sometimes I go back and think, God, you idiot, you should have taken that good job somewhere else. Um, but you know, it was by choice to be here and it's, and I'm still very confident and happy with that choice. You know, my parents, you know, my whole family has been able to you know, see me grow and all the, you know, the community that I grew up in. So, and I've loved every second of that. And that's been such a blessing because I know a lot of people aren't able to you know, start their job or try to work in the market in the, in their hometown. Right. It doesn't yeah. happen all the time. And yeah. so I yeah. don't take that for granted and yeah. um, it's been by choice, but yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, kudos to you because there's definitely, you know, there's that term uh, FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And, you know, a lot of people um, succumb to that for really like the wrong reasons and, you know, to, to sort of uh, appease their own ego, they will make a jump too soon or really mm -hmm. force the issue and go somewhere really just to be able to say like, oh yeah, I'm a top 50 market reporter or anchor or whatever. And it, it doesn't even make sense. You know, they'll be leaving like a situation that was better for them to go somewhere where it's going to be worse. So the market size does not always tell the story of no. you know, what that station is going to be like. And, um, yeah, so I, you know, kudos to you for number one, having a bit of loyalty to, you know, the stations you've worked at or the station you worked at CBS seven. And also, also like, you know, some loyalty to your community too, because, you know, you could also just abandon it, but, um, you know, so, you know, we'll see where your career takes you, but, um, you know, it seems like you've made some wise choices thus far. Um, yeah. So what would you say is the biggest story you've ever covered? I've, I've covered, so I covered Sutherland Springs. There was unfortunately a, a, another mass shooting there. Um, tiny town right outside of San Antonio. 
I, I covered that. And then also a few months before that, I, I covered Hurricane Harvey, did some traveling around there. I would say those are probably the two biggest. Yeah, those are, those are big. I mean, those are national stories. So Harvey was the, the, the Houston, Texas um, storm, right? That yes. was just total flooding devastation. That was like three years ago, two or three years ago. Um, About two years ago. Two years ago. It's hard to keep track. Um, I know. So that, was, that was 2017. And then <clears throat> Sutherland Springs was the church shooting, right? Yes, yes, the church shooting. Like the um, really that was two months later. Small town, rural yeah yes yes <clears throat> yeah so those are huge stories absolutely um and that's that's tough but but good experience for you as a journalist um yeah i mean you know what's crazy tatum is that um you know you've now covered technically you know at least two mass shootings because you know you said you went into your station the day of the midland odessa one so i mean you know for all intents and purposes you covered that and um, you, de- you did Sutherland Springs, and I wouldn't be surprised if you've done another one. And it's like, you get to the point now as a journalist where you, you start to wonder, like, man, like, how many of these am I going to cover, you know, before, I'm, before I hang up the microphone and, and my career's over? Like me, for example, I've, I was like one of the first reporters on the scene at the Sandy Hook shooting in, in 2012. And then I was one of the first reporters on the scene of the Pittsburgh mass shooting. And it's like, it's just pretty crazy. It's like, you know, and, and that's that, you know, it's not even that rare. I mean, if you're a reporter in Texas, you know, there was the mass shooting in El Paso and then the Midland mm-hmm. Odessa one was like a few weeks later, I think, or a week later. And then, you know, Dayton, Ohio. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this used to be like a really rare event yeah. and now it's just like very, very commonplace. Unfortunately, and and that's the shame of it. And I just remember the feeling. You know, anytime you get sent out to cover, you know, the big story or whatever it is. I remember when I covered Sutherland Springs. Um, I felt this a little bit covering Hurricane Harvey, but especially Sutherland Springs, when something is so heavy, and you know, you're in this community that's just an, an unimaginable morning and just awful. It's, it feels heavy on you and you just keep thinking, okay, if you just push through, you know, home's right on the other side of this live shot and, you know, I can go home. You know, there's always home. And when we covered or you coming home from the mass shooting here, you know, I woke up and it was still there. There was, there was that, that feeling that you always had. I just always, you know, carried it with me, you know, covering any sort of breaking news out of town that, okay, you know, just push through, push through homes on the other side of this, it's going to be okay. And then it happened in your home and it's just like, my God, and it happens everywhere. You know, these, it used to be, you know, just like what you said, it, it was uncommon and, um, you know, it was something that, you know, would make you stand out to put on your resume, but now it's just about everybody. It has touched almost everyone in every part of the country. And it's a shame. Yeah, so let's switch gears a little bit again. Um, you know, you're you're uh, working in West Texas. There, you're from West Texas, and uh, it's no secret that West Texas is a pretty politically conservative area. Um, and we know that Donald Trump has, uh, you know, is a Republican president and has really coined the term fake news. Um, so my question to you is. Have you dealt with people um, in West Texas or otherwise, you know, sort of like questioning your legitimacy or oh, absolutely. You know, using the term fake news? And how do you deal with that? Yeah, that 
it used to, I would just like roll my eyes and be like, whatever, and not pay it any attention. But now, I mean, even I can just even think of something within the last week. Uh, it's, we have an election coming up here and what is it next week, two weeks, um, local elections in Midland and Odessa. And one of the big, you know, ticket items is a school bond. And I did a, a big, you know, two party special report. It's been you know, forever since the community of Midland has um, invested a, a big chunk of money into um, upgrading their high schools. Seems pretty straightforward. I did the story and I have never in my you know, time as a journalist have people come after me and not just say that my news is fake or that you know the stories that I'm telling are not real, but that me myself, that I you know, question my integrity as a journalist. You know, question me as a person. Let's you know. Let's cancel Tatum Gwynn just for telling a story. I, I've just I've been do- doing this a while, and I have never seen it on this level before, where people will come after you personally and just try to tear you down as much as they can, and try to you know say that what the stories you're telling are fake over an election. I mean, that's just an, a local election. It's, it's just it's interesting. So did yeah, you, do, you, do you respond to people? Like, do you respond to Facebook comments? Do you respond to private messages or no? Sometimes it depends on what it is. Uh, most of the time I won't. I mean, if it's something just ridiculous, like I hate your hair today or you know, fake news, if you po- share, share whatever story in our, in this part of the, of the world, in this part of the country, I guess I should say, if you share anything that has to do with you know, Bernie Sanders or just anything Democrat, then people will tell you your, your fake news. So I usually ignore that. But this time, they, there were people screenshotting conversations that I, you know, people, the opposition group, they, you know, screenshotted conversations I had and were posting them all over social media saying that I was a fraud and that I don't, I must be working for, you know, the school district. Oof. that I um that I didn't reach out to them at all they like doctored the they took a screenshot of it and the way that they photoshopped they took think questions out that I had asked whoa and um just tried to you just smear my name as much as they could around social media and I did respond to that and I also got put into this random on my personal page, I got put into a group chat about um, they named it like News West Nine Clarity, and I they demanded me explain myself and who I got these quotes from, which is ridiculous. I got them from them, but they um, yeah were just tearing me down and trying to say that everything that I did was fake. Wow, and that is on social media as such vicious that is super intense i I, when you began telling that story i I was kind of thinking like you know you know someone who's been like a couple other markets i was thinking like you know not to be like demeaning but i was kind of like oh honey like you haven't seen it but um but you finished that story and i'm like holy shit you know that's that's really bad um that is really yeah um so yeah that's crazy i mean i think you know here's the thing like fake news is actually a real thing, right? We know that there are fake stories out there. You know, I mean, literally, there was an article about these uh, websites being set up in Michigan, uh, most likely by by Russians. Um, 
and they make them look like real newspapers. Like it'll be called the Lansing Gazette, but it's, it's just something they made up. They're just creating a mm-hmm. website, buying a domain name and then spreading propaganda, which is like really crazy. Um, so that's fake news. I mean, there's other examples as well, but you know, the problem obviously is that, you know, honestly through Donald Trump, you know, whether you love him or hate him, he has created this term or, or popularized it and people clearly just use it whenever they see a story they don't like. Exactly. And, That's and they the don't, difference. They don't want to use their brain power or power of persuasion or anything to think about it or co- combat it or comment on it. They're just going to uh, delegitimize it by saying it's fake. Yes. And that's, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's fake. And that's, right. the issue. that's what we see most of the time here. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, 99% of it. But, you yeah. know, the problem is if you have the commander in chief doing it, then that trickles all the way down, you know. Absolutely. It's perpetuated and, it in a way that I have never seen before. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like revolutionary. Now, I, on episode one of Reporter um, podcast, the Reporter podcast, I talked to uh, a journalist named Noah Pransky. And he makes the argument, you know, which I think is true, that Donald Trump really wasn't the first person to do this, that um, Newt Gingrich, um, you know, and some others uh, would, would, you know, kind of started like the, the term like, like liberal media, which, you know, was another mm-hmm. method of kind of trying to delegitimize stories that you didn't like. And, and look, I mean, we're getting off topic, but, you know, it, you know, are a lot of journalists liberal? Probably somehow, I guess, because of, you know, maybe, maybe the, the profession attracts, you know, free thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, but at the end of the day, you know, when you talk to journalists, like the, the, the bulk of them are, are pretty darn objective and take it pretty, very, pretty seriously to be balanced. Um, so anyway, it, it does get to be uh, a shame whenever, you know, that trickles down. And no matter who you are, if you're just, you know, trying to, if you're, because if anyone who says fake news to something that's, that, that is real news is basically a coward, you know, I mean, they're, they're running from the truth instead of dealing with the truth head on, you know, and, and, and it would be much more difficult and time consuming just to write an intelligent post in response to it, expressing your disagreement with the topic Mm -hmm. but it's much Mm -hmm. easier to just go fake news you know and move on absolutely because there there is nothing to argue about it they don't have any anything to back it up with facts are hard to argue with and so they just say well it must be fake yeah right and even i mean look in 90 percent of the time i think they know that it's real but you know but then again there are times where they actually do think it's fake so uh, you know we're, we're in a we're in a pretty crazy time right now um so let me that brings me to my next question if you you know, the, the, the pay is getting lower, there, there's corporate takeovers, there's buyouts, there's, you know, staffs are shrinking in newsrooms, TV newsrooms now. We saw it happen with newspapers. Seems like mm-hmm. it's happening with TV to some extent. Um, if, if a 20-year-old journalist who, who's at the period where they're in college and they, they, they're thinking about getting into broadcast news, maybe get an internship, and if they came to you and said, hey, you know, is this still worth it? Like, should I still do this? What, what would you tell them? I would, well, I would hope that, you know, as an intern, that they, they get a pretty good idea of what they're getting into. And they can, you know, decide then during an internship that, you know, maybe this is for me or maybe this isn't for me. But, you know, if somebody, you know, is it still worth it? Um, 
I think it is 100%. You know, if you are, if this is, if news is your passion and something that you love and you can still see that there is a need for it in communities, um, yes, it's worth it. Know that your first job, yeah, first like year, year and a half is going to suck and it's, you're going to you know, question yourself, you know, what the hell did I just do? Why did I think this was a good idea? You know, if you're not asking those questions your first year, then, you know, I'd be worried about the station that you're at. Um, you know, it's hard. It's the hardest first year, year and a half ever you know, out of any job, I would almost argue. Um, you know, the pay sucks. The, you know, sometimes the schedule sucks just as much, if not more. Um, but there's just something about it. It's so rewarding. And, you know, I would say it's worth it every time I would say so. And yeah. it's, you know, I think you know, in that first job, it's, it's so, you know, there's, there's comfort in the common struggle and everybody is struggling, riding, sometimes driving the struggle bus. And, um, but how fun is it to look back now and say, Hey, remember when, and, um, you know, we made it when, what a crazy time you look back on that time in your life and, um, you'll smile or you laugh a little bit and, you know, just feel so grateful to where you are now. And if somebody else, if I can help someone else, you see that or realize that kind of dream for themselves. Oh, that's great. And I would say it's worth it every time, but just know, always know, go in, um, you know, without rose colored glasses on, this is what you're getting into. And I'm always very honest. Anytime someone asks me, um, about, you know, wanting to get into the business. Yeah. Is there, is there a singular person that you would credit with kind of like giving you your start in news or your big break? Jose Guyona, first news director. Um, he, he was the hardest person to get in touch with and that's kind of the same now, but he, if it wasn't for him, you know, finally letting me into the, into the newsroom after, you know, those two weeks, I don't know what I would have done. He, he gave me my first, my first break and he, you know, was the first one that let me on TV. And then there's been so, I mean, just so many people, you know, since then, since then that have poured into me and right. helped mold me into the person I am. But he was that first person, he and Richard Acosta, who was the managing editor at the time, both of them kind of, yeah. Jose I, opened the Richard. door and yeah. yeah. Richard's hilarious. Um, good guy. Um, yeah. Jose is that person for me too. So that's kind of, we share that. Um I still remember sitting in my like small room, my senior year of college, you know, and, and him uh, calling me, you know, from West Texas, like, you know, I'd sent out like, I think a hundred tapes and they were literally tapes at that point. Most people wanted VHS, some wanted DVD. Um, very few wanted like a link at that point, like a web link. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so I would ship these packages with uh, a DVD and a, a VHS tape. So made it more expensive back then kids say are lucky um, to some extent that they can just send a link. But, um, but yeah, no, I still remember sitting there and, and then he decided to fly me down and took me to Whataburger and I'd never <laughs> been to uh, West Texas in, in my life. I'd been to Dallas once as like a 12 year old, but that was it. So um, yeah, no, he's, he's an amazing uh, person and um, what a cool guy. I mean, it's, it, Jose was great because he's like a genius in, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. He's also like a little bit, and I don't, I mean this like in the kindest way, like kind of scatterbrained, like he's kind of all over the oh, place. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, sometimes that's the sign of genius. And I'm, I'm a person who's very cluttered in my life, which I don't like, but I am. 
And they also say that sometimes that's a sign of genius. Now, I'm not a genius, but um, but sometimes, you know, people who are rough around the edges, you know, kind of have that certain magic. And um, Jose was just an amazing person, you know, who I always value as a, a mentor, as a friend, yes. just a human being. I mean, just a, just a tremendous quality person who I can't say enough about and definitely changed my life. Um, I, yes. I had some interest from two different stations in Montana. The one city had like a population of 14,000 people, which I don't even know how they have a TV station, but um, wow. And, uh, and that was it. I had two for Montana and then CBS seven and that was it. I mean, it's, it's a rough business. I mean, you know, I, I went on to be pretty successful, but, um, it takes someone to give you a chance, you know, and, and Jose did that for me. And I definitely made a lot of mistakes in Odessa. Um, and luckily I didn't get fired or anything, but, um, I, I think I did a lot of things correctly as well. So, um, but it takes someone to believe in you. I mean, Jose, I remember right. said, to me at one point, he said, Hey, this report you did is pretty good. I think you should submit this for a Murrow award. I mean, I didn't know what a Murrow award was. I, I really didn't. And, but he believed in me, you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. he, I think he, I can't remember if he paid, I think I, I think he made me pay for it myself, which is fine. But, um, you know, just that inspiration, that person, you know, taking your hand and leading you is so important. Um, it's funny looking back on it because he was not just a news director. I mean, Jose was 33 at the time. And I was talking about this with, um, on the last episode of reporter with, uh, Liz Adiola, who is a veteran of, of CBS seven and talking about how, when Jose hired me, he was 33 years old. Well, it's like, I'm 34 now. So it, it's just weird to me. Cause at the time it felt like, Oh man, he's so old. You know, he's this like adult. And, um, but then again, Jose was always young at heart. Like I played flag football with him. I was on a yep. flag football team with him for many years. Um, and man, did he take that seriously. Um, he still very, does. Very All seriously. Sports. I mean, I'll never forget. He tells me I'm, I'm a little sensitive about my height because I kind of wish I was taller. And I, I mean, I'm not like short by any extent, but, and he, he goes, yeah, man, it would be great if you were like three inches taller, you'd be such a quarterback. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're my news director. What a rude thing to say but I mean he was probably right but um god it, it was it drove me crazy Jose he was pretty blunt too but um what a great guy and I mean heck I played poker with him who plays poker and drinks beer with their news director I mean just uh just an amazing experience to uh have that type of relationship and I'll probably never have that again with a news director so something yes special well to, and uh, I still call Jose any sort of big thing that's happening he is still one of my first phone calls that I make. I mean, just talk about somebody that can have such an impression yeah. on you. Uh, he's, man, he's just, I, he means a lot to me and yeah, you know, no, my career. He, he, he changed a lot. It touched a lot of people and changed a lot of people's lives and um, how rewarding that is for him, I'm sure. But yeah. he's great. That's funny you said <laughs> he that. he hasn't changed I, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. Wait, so he's still playing flag football? he's coaching now coaching which is now, almost okay. worse <laughs> I played I played one round we had like the station tennis tournament and I got talked into doing it I don't play sports I, I'm I'm really good on the sidelines cheer people on I got you know, conned into playing and I will never play he's he's a very intense person in, in the newsroom and it's times 10 when you get him playing any sort of sport so it's always he's funny now he's coaching yeah, that's good. Well, it's I'm, I'm really happy to I, I kind of follow him through social media. Now we've kind of lost touch a little bit just because of life gets busy right. and everything in the distance. But um, 
very happy for him. You know, his, his uh, family is amazing. His, his kids and, and his wife is, is great. And uh, so very happy to see him. Uh, I, I know he's a, a family man at heart and, and really doing, doing great with that. So, um, but yeah, I, it's funny you said that the line you said, which I was gonna say verbatim, which is he's, he's changed lives, you know, and, and not many people can say that actually. I mean, I guess, you know, all of us, all of us change lives every day and to some extent, but like the way he's done it, it's tough to actually leave a, a more important legacy than that, you know, that you've changed people the course of their lives. And, and he's Yes. Gone. Well, so. just think, okay, you were this young 22-year-old reporter straight out of college, and look at the trajectory, the path that he helped set you on. You know, he opened that door for you and gave you all those skills yeah. to be the badass reporter that you are. I mean, you the work that you, he helped you do and, you know, helped mold you into you're, you're, you are a legend in West Texas, yes, especially <laughs> at CBS seven. And, you know, how cool is that? What kind of compliment would that be? You say, oh, that's a Bo Berman story. You should go do that. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, with the team that I was on at seven, that was our, always the standard. So that's cool. And well, you know, how yeah. neat to say that somebody Thanks. helped uh, you. That's an honor. Yeah. But I mean, it's all sparked by Jose uh, yeah. giving, giving me that chance. And it's funny because, you know, honestly, if it weren't for Jose Gaona, I don't know if I'd be a, like a reporter. Like, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say today because I'm not a reporter right now, but um, yeah, I don't know if I would have been doing it at all because I, I went to Penn State University and I was sitting there my senior year and that's when you start applying, you know, basically to get jobs and everything. And it was like uh, March and April and May and stations were not calling me back. And I'd, I'd done two different internships. I, I thought I was pretty good. I had a cousin who was a TV reporter and he kind of groomed me and helped me. And um, he's a legend in his own right. His name is Marty Griffin in Pittsburgh and he used to work in Dallas. And so I thought, oh man, I really have a leg up. You know, I, I'm, I'm a hard worker. I'm, I'm, I think I'm smart and I've done internships and I even have a relative in the business. And, but it was not working. I was not getting phone calls. I don't know what it was. You know, there, it was very, it's very competitive and, you know, I probably looked really young and I, I was really young. I kind of had a baby face and, um, you know, Jose gave me that chance. But the point of this story is that I started applying to insurance jobs, like to work for insurance companies uh, wow. all over the place. I started applying to paralegal jobs in New York City because I wanted to be a paralegal and then maybe go to law school. Um, and I also applied to teach English in China, in Shenzhen, China. So um, I mean, all of those things probably would have been fine, uh, life paths, but you know, I almost didn't become a reporter, you know, and, and, you know, you could draw it like a web, you know, like a network effect. You could literally draw it on paper or on a computer program and okay. So Jose changes my life. And then, you know, I go do certain reports, you know, one of them that changed a state law that, that hopefully changes other people's lives. So, I mean, you think of the, the yeah. lives that I, my reporting changed, not to be like um, cocky or something, but like, it's just a matter of fact that sometimes our news reports change people's lives. So that means that Jose literally might've changed thousands of lives, which with each person that he hired, you know, so it's- Isn't really, that great? And then the people that he's hired and the, you know, the paths that they've all taken since, I mean, uh, he's he knew how to pick really good talent not patting myself on the back but just no right you know, I know. I feel, wonderful I feel, people that I've had to work with it's yeah yeah pretty great 
I feel guilty when I say something like that because it's it, it you know it might sound like we're patting ourselves on the back, but I think we're just trying to express that that he just has done a great job. And I mean, he's got a ton of reporters and anchors in in top, honestly, top ten markets now, top yeah. top twenty for sure, top thirty, um, all across the country. So yeah, I mean, he's really you know from Michigan to Houston, or, uh, Dallas, right, I guess, Dallas, right, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, until a short time ago. So. Yeah, I mean, just what a what a legacy. So Jose is the man. Um, if he ever hears this, Jose, miss you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so we've been on the phone a long time. We'll uh, we'll start to wrap this up. So sure. um, the one thing I wanted to ask is, um, as a female, do you think that I've always wondered this? Do you think that that helps you? get interviews when you need to get that MOS interview or that interview with, you know, the state trooper or does it hurt you? Like, do you think it helps you more or hurts you more? It depends on the situation. And I, I never try to use that as something to give me an interview. I mean, sure. Depending on you know, who you're trying to talk to, I'm sure that does help a little bit. Um, but uh, it's complicated. I mean, yes and no. I've never tried to use that though, to try to get an interview. I've always just, you know, try to let my professionalism or, you know, my reputation as a fair storyteller, as a fair journalist, you know, I always like to think that maybe that's why people will talk to me. Is it because I'm a female? I'm sure to a certain extent, you know, if it's one of the city council members um, or, you know, going out for MOSs, I'm sure they'll talk to me rather than, you know, one of my male co-workers. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yes and no. I, I always, and I've never really thought about, you know, male, female in the workplace, but the older I get, um, it has, it's become, I paid more attention to it. And, you know, will somebody talk to me more because I'm a female? I don't know. Hard to say, but, um, I would say that it, it kind of, I have been very fortunate in that, um, you know, as a, as a female, I'm the first, you know, female in West Texas to solo anchor, you know, some of our, the big shows, the, the flagship show of a new station that's led by, you know, all of our management team, aside from our general manager, are all female. And that's cool to say, to, to be a part of. I can tell a difference there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. If yeah. I answered that no, in a way good. that you were that's looking good. for, that's good. Yeah, no, it was very good. Um, we're gonna um, shift into the um, excuse me the the rapid fire um, question portion okay. of the podcast. So, um, music in news stories, you know, like a musical bed in a news story. Yes or no? No. Only if it's part of your nat sound, sure, but don't no. But your storytelling should should stand on its own. You don't need music. That's what every news director says, and I strongly disagree. But that is definitely the um, depends on the story. That's but. the long time like journalistic uh, motto, you know, that the storytelling should show. But I, I I go to all these awards dinners and stuff, and and like every award winning story has music. So I I don't there's a disconnect there, but I don't get well, it because um, music will evoke emotion, which is great. But I think that you should be able to tell a story that can evoke emotion without having to use music that's true call me old school you are kudos to you i'm i I mean all these news directors disagree with me so you're you're on the right side um 
Okay. So what is something that, let's say when you were a reporter or even as an anchor, what's something that you bring with you to work every day as a journalist that you see as like indispensable, but actually might surprise some people? My legal pad. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't leave home without it. Legal pad or the same water bottle that I've been using for, you know, three weeks at a time, just refill. I hope you're washing that thing. Yeah, that's disgusting if it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, what TV show are you streaming right now on Netflix or whatever? I started watching Politician last night with uh, Ben Platt. It's hmm. such a smart, it's new. It's on Netflix. It's new. It's smart. It's clever. I like it. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to see if we would set a record here because literally the last two people that I interviewed on Reporter – uh, said Fleabag is the show they're watching, which I'd never heard of. Um, I haven't started that. I w- well, no, okay, I take that back. I started the first episode and I wasn't loving it, so I changed. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, have you heard of uh, Catastrophe? Yes. Have you seen it? No. It's very yeah. funny. It's 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 not safe for work. You know, a lot of swearing, but it is hilarious. Um, very sharp uh, show. I like it. Um, there's not enough time to watch all these shows. That's the problem that I face. I know, same. Um, there's a uh, there's a TED talk called "The Paradox of Choice" based on a book by a guy named I think it's Barry Schwartz out of I think it's University of Pennsylvania. But it, he talks about how you know as human beings we can really be overwhelmed by too many choices available to us. Um, that, you know, we think like, oh, the more options I have, the better. But that's actually not always. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. It's worse. And I am like the person I think in the world who struggles with that the most. Um, I, I really struggle with, you know, the FOMO of picking the wrong, making the wrong choice and having too many options to the point where when I go to a restaurant now, if I see something I like, I almost stop looking at the menu. I just, I just pick the first thing I see that I like because I figure... I cannot order five entrees tonight, so I might as well just pick one. You know, if I like this one, that's you know. true. Um, that's or sometimes true. I mean, I will keep looking to see if there's one I like better, but usually it just drives me crazy. So anyway, maybe I'm psychotic. But um, all right, uh, what is your favorite podcast other than Reporter, of course? Uh, naturally, um, I listen to the Daily New York Times podcast. I love that yes. one. Yes, and I've been, I've been um, listening to that on the Daily lately. Guilty pleasure is Lady Gang. Lady I'm almost, Gang? What is that? I'm embarrassed to me. It's just three, um, I don't even know, Hollywood's hottest girl posse is what the, <laughs> it's embarrassing to talk about, but I listen to them. Okay. I don't miss an episode of that. Wow. But every day I listen to the daily. Lady but, Gang. Okay. Yeah. Um, Facebook, has it been good or bad for the news industry? Ooh. Good in the sense that I think it's helped us evolve. You know, we've we've had to it has forced us to change how we approach news and how we um, tell a story. Um, but bad in the sense that people stopped calling and can just go after you on social media. I think people are more um, vicious than they were ten years ago. Yeah. Um, this is not really a journalism question, but what is one thing you believe, but that most other people would think is kind of crazy? Oh, put me on the spot. One yeah. thing that I believe in, someone might think I'm crazy. 
Yeah, yeah. So some examples are like, you know, some people like really believe in ghosts, but like the other part of society is like, no, that's so fake. Or um, like for me, I, I always tell everybody like I'm actually okay with ATM fees, which mo most people think is weird. <laughs> but like if I if there wasn't an ATM, I'd have to carry all of my cash in a bag with me all over the world, which would be dangerous, annoying, like almost impossible. So for someone to charge me like $2 to get my money from anywhere in the world, and it's really not even my money because it's their money that they're pretending is my money, you know, like it, it, it seems okay to me. Okay. So. so I would say, I guess I have two. One, I am I'm very superstitious, like when it comes to work, if I wear a certain outfit and like something really bad happens or, you know, I have a bad day, I don't ever wear that, that outfit again. People think I'm crazy for doing that. What do you do with the um, outfit? You give it to Goodwill or what? I just, I just keep it. I just look at it in my closet, like, okay, you know, I just keep it as an example of don't ever do that again. Don't or, ever do that again. <laughs> or I just think, oh, I'll get over it. I'll just, you know, round two, we'll try it again. I'll give it another chance. I do that. Or um, the other thing I do, I love answering the scam callers. You know how you get like 30 of them a day? Yeah, I love and I love talking to them. And people say don't do it, but I still do. I love talking to them. What do you say to them? Well, they're like, hey, you know, please. You know, one of them being you know, the sheriff's office is on the way to come get you, and I just go along with it. Like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Or I'll like start a asking them questions, and they'll hang up on me. Or yeah, you know, one guy said, you know what we do to smart girls? You think you're smart, and then click. He blocked my number. Or whatever. <laughs> Smart girls, lady gang. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that, well, I, I, that seems like a good use of your time, Tatum. <laughs> sure. <Talking to> strangers. <laughs> no, but that's fun. I've, I've done that too. I think that's like a, in the character of a news reporter is you, you, you enjoy those, uh, those conversations actually. Um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, yeah, it is. It is funny. Like I, I'm the type of person that like honestly wants to make myself laugh more than anyone else. And, and I think sometimes people don't get that, but I'm like, honestly, if it makes me laugh, I, I, I do a lot of things that just make me laugh. And I don't really care if, you know, they make someone else laugh. Like, um, anyway, Same. so uh, if you could have a billboard on the most highly traveled road in Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago and Los Angeles, and it could have anything on it for free, what would you put on it? Oh, I think I would put something to make people smile, what you know, a saying or anything because I think when people are on their commute we're always thinking just thinking whether it be good or bad and I would if somebody looks up I would want them to something good I don't know what, what, what that would be but you know be the reason someone smiles today or you know put up one of those really cheesy quotes but no matter what it still kind of makes you smile a little bit I think right. I would do that yeah okay um and this one is kind of a fill in the blank so what I want you to do is you're going to think of a like fictional character from a book, a movie, a TV show, whatever. Um, that's sort of like, is your journalism alter ego? So it's not necessarily a journalist. Like, so it would be Bo is the blank of journalism. And I'm going to go with, uh, Bo is the Jason Bourne of journalism. Ooh, I like it. Okay. Um, so Tatum is the blank of journalism gonna say oh god the mary tyler moore Ooh. of journalism she was a, a fictional journalist she was. On her show, she was and right? i thought she was so good she 
she would question her boss about her pay. He didn't want to pay her more and she would demand a pay raise. It's one of my favorite episodes. He said, why? You're a woman. She goes, well, my coworkers are making more of their male. And he goes, well, yeah, there's, they're trying to provide for a family. And he didn't want to pay her more because she's just providing for herself. Wow. So asking hard questions, you know, in the 60s, 70s, when that wasn't a, a conversation being had, she had it. Yeah. I love it. You are an old soul, aren't you? Yes, I tried it. Well, I like to think so. <laughs> um, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, yeah. So I'm really embarrassed and I'm, I guess the term is I'm remiss to have, I've never seen an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show. You should. I should. You I should. I, I actually want to go back and watch like every classic journalism thing. Um, you know, I tried to, I, I um, you know, recently watched uh, Woodward and Bernstein for the first <sighs> time. Um, yes. which is actually a really long movie. Oh my God. Um, you know, it, it's, it's actually the problem with watching that movie now is that it, it's just too similar to what's going on like at this time. So for people our age, you're like, Oh, this is nothing new. Like this is happening right now. And it's, you know, but if you, I guess if you saw that movie when it came out and you know, about the, the Nixon scandal, it was probably just earth chatter, you know, just so cool to watch that. But I, I guess the problem is like, it would almost be like watching, I don't know, like a movie that's supposed to be like about futuristic space travel or something. And it's like, oh, well, we, we have that now, you know. It seems that know. history is repeating itself. Right, right, um, right. You know, on the pod, the daily podcast that um, I listened to, they actually, Michael Barbaro, he interviewed, um, I want to say Woodward. I'm Michael Barbaro. Yes. I'm, this I'm, is the I'm daily. Michael Barbaro. This, <laughs> this is the daily. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Today, he he interviewed. Um, I want to say Woodward. I think it was him. one of the one of the two, and um, about uh, President Trump. You know everything that is you know, happening now, and yeah. he said that it is very close to what it was, but the difference being. You know, then you know they had the three sources, and he said that they had made a mistake, and that you know, of course, they weren't going to reveal who their source was, um, but they didn't verify with somebody. I'm going to you know get it wrong. Whereas now it's so hard to you know keep one keep your sources private because everything is so you know, out in the open, and it seems that you know the, the state of the White House right now, nobody can you know be a confidential. Um, source to anyone, but he said that there's the similarities between uh, what was going on then with the whole Nixon scandal and now it's it's almost hard to pinpoint one certain scandal with yeah everything that is happening um, in the media today and of course in Washington D.C. But he just said that there's a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. And it just it ha- you have it just makes you just pause, uh, not even necessarily you know think about it, but just it gives you pause think of the ramifications of that one report and how important that was. And, you know, if he is saying that what is going on now is very similar, you know, what, what could, you know, we be sitting on that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There was also something that one of the two Woodward, what is it? Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. I always forget, but there, there was, there was something one of the two of them said at a conference recently that actually got a lot of, criticism and I can't can't remember what it was but I'll I'll try to find that and link to that in our show notes 
for today. But, um, you know, I think the best kept secret on a lighter note in journalism is that everyone always confuses Woodward and Bernstein. No one knows who, uh, you know. Which is which? Yes. Yeah, no one knows which is which. They're just, they're just literally this one entity together. No one, no one knows. Just legends. Yeah. Just absolutely. absolute. Yeah. And to, to, to be, and I think they would be one of the, one of a short list of people that I would like to have dinner with and just hmm. ask them, just yeah. pick their brain. Yeah. It would be so interesting to talk yeah. to them. And Dan Rather, them and Dan Wath- Rather. Yeah. Um, so, um, sorry, I'm thinking of uh, something I want to add to my question list for you. Um, and so, yeah, but actually, so this brings us to the next question, which is, um, you know, there's a lot of great movies, Citizen Kane, Broadcast News, but what, what's, what's the best journalism, movie about journalism of all time? Of all time. Ooh, okay. The Post. I don't think because I've seen Because oh, it has Mail Streep and... Oh, uh, that's the recent one. Is it the one with Tom Hanks? It's the newest, yes, yeah. So it's, it's one of the newest ones. But, but if the Washington Post, and I guess more specifically, Mail Streep, if she had not stood her ground in this whole story, I won't get into it, but if she had not stood her ground, we would have never found out about the Watergate controversy oh yeah yeah i think i okay right because she she's the, is she the owner of the paper yes, yes. yeah yeah I, I think i've read about that yeah that was crazy how yeah i, I, I should just, see that movie though i should, I should definitely i could think that. i could think of just so many great things coming out of you know coming out of that movie or walking away from that movie it, the one being you know it just shows how important news is but then the also other really big theme in it is uh, relationships in journalism it is built off of relationships and um, building trust with with people who will talk to you and give you important information and then it just yeah, it explores you know both sides of that relationship yeah it's have so you good. seen uh have you seen spotlight yes i really that one's really good i don't know if i could watch it again but it's because it's just you know once you kind of know heavy. it's, it's well, very exactly is. it's very exactly the heaviness of it but that one i i to me for me personally that was like one of the best examples of illustrating like the reporting process i mean also all the president's men as well actually um which i referred to earlier but the the woodward and bernstein story but um but yeah they they really show process really well um i agree so okay so um what's your favorite workout what's your favorite way to work out i've i've been into orange theory Okay. A lot lately. Yeah. It's just super intense, high intensity. It's like a circuit workout. Yeah. yeah. And I, I respond to... really well to people yelling at me. Something about <laughs> the news director always, I can't believe you did this. Something, I get a yeah. response. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, they, I, I did that a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh. I, I agree. I thought it was very effective. It's a little too expensive for me. But, yes. Yes. Agreed. I did, I did not know that they had it in uh, West Texas. Oh yeah, man, we're involving Bo. You're gonna have to yeah. come out and see. We've got like three movie theaters now. Big what? things, big things going on. Yeah. Um. And will you stay in journalism the rest of your life? I think so. Ooh, wow, bold. Um. Who is your favorite author? Leanne Moriarty or um. Oh God, on the tip of my tongue. He is from Detroit. He's always in the Detroit Free Press. I'm gonna have to pull it up. 
Um, the first one you said, what does, what is Liam Moriarty? What do they write? Uh, Big Little Lies. Okay. Yeah. Um, here. I've read, so I, I've set a goal for my, Mitch Album is the other. Oh author. yeah. He's, he's famous. Yeah. Tuesdays love, with Maury, I think. Yes. Yes. The next person you meet in heaven, five people you meet in heaven. I mean, yeah. he's, yeah. he's so great. I love, he too is a, is a journalist. So he did sports in Detroit. There's there's so many people who um like pretty famous people who were in local news. Like like Oprah mm-hmm. got her start in, in local news and uh like Sarah Palin. Um there's quite a few people. Yeah. Um all right. So um what book have you say read over and over again the most or given as a gift the most in your life this a book by mitch album um i could read it over and over again i don't want to tell you the wrong i always get the the name of it wrong um the magic the the magic strings of frankie something i've got it right here good thing for the kindle app um i always set a goal for myself to read like at least 50 books a year. Do you meet that goal? Yes. I love, I mean, I always, I'm always reading. That's great. And I will say that that is, if you ever want to become a a better writer, if there's like a young reporter or journalist listening, read, 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 read. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the Magic Strings of Frankie Presto. It is the best book. Huh. I don't think I've heard of that. I love it. It's one of another Mitch album book yeah very good thanks for the recommendation um all right well i think that's going to do it for uh this episode of reporter uh with tatum gwynn tatum um if people welcome back to the news business first of all congratulations on uh your your uh negotiation skills and work ethic and everything and and your bravery to leave and and now bravery to come back because that's a whole other type of bravery as well yeah for the other team no less Yes, for the, so you switch sides. You switch sides. So I um, you're you're lucky. I'm still talking to you because my my CBS Seven loyalty runs deep. But um, oh, I, and mine does too. Mine did was mine does too. But yeah, here we yours are. Did too. <laughs> no, I'm just. That's kidding. true. That's um, did. <laughs> no, it's okay. But actually, there's a history of an incestuous relationship between the two of them with Jose and Jay Hendricks and all those people. So um, it's it's okay. It's fine. Um, yeah, but if people want to find you on social media, how can they do that? What's the best What's the best place to find you? On I'm on all of them. Just search at Tatum Gwynn. Oh, so you're on, you're on TikTok? Not on TikTok. I, okay, come on. I mean, TikTok. <laughs> are you on TikTok, Bo? Hell yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, go to my page. Check out my vids. Oh, my God. Okay, well, now I'm going to get TikTok just so I can follow Bo Berman. Do That's it. I'm, tr- I'm truly on all of them. <laughs> I'm on all of them. Okay, well, I'm on all of them, but TikTok. You could just search Tatum Gwen. Gwen has two N's in it. So it's G U I N N. Yes. So you're wait. So what's your handle though on like Twitter? Uh, you know, on on I mean, the, whatever you know, Facebook or Twitter is it's T. It's just T A T U M G U I N N. Yeah, yeah. Search at Tatum Gwen. That's nice and simple. On all of them. Nice and easy. 
All right. Well, Tatum, thanks a lot for taking this much time out of your day. Um, we're recording this on a Sunday, so definitely uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with me and join the podcast. I hope that you will, um, once I get you the link to it, that you will share it far and wide with uh, absolutely people. I don't know how interesting this is to the outside world, but I hope that um, people inside the industry find it to be interesting. And I do think that some of your followers, like, you know, people who like you, care about you, your family, your friends, and maybe even some people out there in Midland, Odessa would find this interesting. Um, I think so. I think we have a cool job. Yeah. And I think that the more you know, social media grows, I, we're letting people kind of in on the, you know, behind the scenes. It's not so, you know, magic anymore. And I think people really like connecting and, you know, learning, understanding the process. Yes. And, you know, of what the job looks like. Yes. We are pulling back the curtain a little bit with this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so go ahead and, uh, feel free to share once I, uh, hook you up with the link. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, you can find, uh, the reporter podcast on, uh, podomatic.com P O D O M A T I C.com. Um, in addition to Apple podcasts, Apple podcasts, uh, just search reporter for R P R T R. R-P-R-T-R. You just took um, out the vowels? Yes, the vowels are missing. Um, I, that's what the kids are doing these days. So um, you take out the vowels. So um, yeah, so the Reporter Podcast on Podomatic.com, Rhymes with Automatic, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, hopefully we can get on Spotify soon as well. So uh, yeah, once again, thanks to Tatum Quinn. Quinn and uh, Tatum, have a good, good rest of your Sunday. You too, Bo. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.